Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani and I'm your host Vidya Iyer. So much has changed in the world around us in the past month. The new normal of work from home, the hand washing, the social distancing and virtual meetings. Will it ever be the same again? We have invited few of our past guests to see how COVID-19 has impacted them and how they are coping. We recorded this episode on the 8th and 9th of April 2020. Our first guest today is Laurie Garnier, founder of Silver Spun Goods. Silver Spun Goods uses US cotton dyed with natural dyes and spun with silver. This yarn is then knit into socks which have therapeutic properties. This product is completely made in the US. Lori joins us from the DC area. Welcome, Lori. Hi, Vidya. How are you? Thanks for having me back again. Since most of your manufacturing is stateside, how has COVID-19 impacted your business? Well, you know, it's funny. Um <laughs> actually my business is doing really, really well right now. I'm way ahead in sales for um the first month of April compared to last month. And I think it has to do with the fact that everybody's working from home and the new tagline, especially on Instagram, is socks are the new shoes. When I saw that, I had to run with it, right? So, yes. <laughs> so I mean, I really, socks are the new shoes. I was like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. So to answer your question about production, you know, I have all of my yarn made at North Carolina State University at their textile college, and the college is closed down right now. I wouldn't be able to have anything made, even if I wanted to, yarn-wise. And fortunately for me, literally two days before you know, all of the shelter in place thing happened with COVID-19, I received a huge order. So I, I'm pretty stocked up right now on socks. So it's been okay for me so far. In terms of marketing strategy, you said you, you just ran with the socks of the new shoes. How did you use that hashtag? to help well, your business. Well, I'm working by myself now. I don't have a marketing company anymore and it's just back to me doing everything. So actually the fact that I'm I'm sort of focusing a lot on marketing, which I wasn't doing before. So when I saw that, you know, socks are the new shoes, I said, "Oh, I have to do something with this." You know, I started posting pictures of my socks and came up with the idea of um uh an instagram hashtag of um what is it working from home in my silver spun socks people would send in pictures to me with their feet propped up on their you know with their computer and they're wearing their socks and so i would repost those and it's just sort of um i'm engaging more with my followers and um just letting my personality show through so basically you you're more hands on so you feel more connected to the customers and your followers absolutely yeah absolutely yeah i, I need the hands on stuff so i'm actually really enjoying this because i'm having to really focus and stay focused and i'm feeling engaged with my customers and um what's going on now of course the whole bottom could drop out soon because people are going to start closing up their pocketbooks i would say Oh, there's so many people that are that are furloughed or have lost their jobs or you know so i don't know i'm just sort of taking one day at a time and seeing what i can do and 
as a small business, I really wanted to do something to help with this, this whole craziness that we're living in. So I, um, started a little campaign where, you know, as a small business owner, I came up with the idea of, um, gifting your hero. And again, I put this up on Instagram and I also sent this out to my email list is that people can buy a pair of my socks, have me send them to someone who is a hero of theirs, like someone who's working on the front line, a nurse, a doctor, a grocery store worker, whatever, right? And um, in it, I include a, a little card that says, thank you for what you do. You are my hero. And then it's signed by whomever purchased the, the socks. And then for every four pair of socks that I sell, I can donate one pair to the, a local hospital here in Washington. So it's not going to be a tremendous amount of donation, but um, I certainly hope that I'm able to at least donate a dozen pair of socks to the that I've been doing. You know, the other thing you have to be careful of is I just don't want to come across like, oh, I'm trying to make all this money off of bad things that are happening to other people. You, know you, you I mean? don't want to seem to be so taking it's, advantage it's, of the situation. Exactly. Because that's just not me. And, and I totally understand, like, I'm not having my podcasts released every week because I couldn't get myself to promote my podcast when people are going through what they're going through. But I've gotten feedback that people actually are listening more to podcasts about different things other than the virus. So I figured um, maybe it's, it's, it's good for me and for the listeners to have some new information, something different to uh -huh. listen to. I think you're absolutely right. I can't even look at the news anymore or read the news. I've limited myself to one time a day um, because the overload and the impact, it's just you don't realize what it's doing to your psyche. If that's all that you're getting, mm -hmm. it, you're going you're gonna to make yourself go crazy. So I think people are really listening to other things now. Yeah, I mean, it's the perfect time to reach out and people are learning how to knit. And, you know, and doing all these things that they've never had time to do before. There's nothing better than knitting and listening to a podcast. So. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so how has this experience changed how you will do business in the future? Well, I think I'm going to be much more involved in the day-to-day -day operations. Because, you know, let's face it, I don't think anybody no one can sell my socks like I can sell my socks because I have the passion, right? Mm -hmm. I know everything about them. Um, I think you should grow organically. And this whole sort of stepping off and stepping back, I think it's helped me tremendously with my business. It's just sort of like I can take the bull by the horns now and just run with it. That might be how it changes my business. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. And nobody knows what the future holds for us now. When do we get back to the normal or will it be a completely new normal? Yeah, I think it's going to be a new normal. My daughter and I were talking about that today and we were talking about shaking hands, right? Right. How traditional the handshake is in the American culture. I don't think that's going to be a thing anymore. I don't know if it's going to, what the new handshake is going to be, but you know, so things like that, going into large crowds. I mean, I mean, everything is going to be different. Everything. I'm not saying it's going to be bad. Sometimes weird things have to happen so that there's this sort of... Uh, to just reset, the reboot our system. To reset. Yes. I like that. Yeah. 
I think we all needed a reboot because things were getting a little out of controls. I think my company will, I don't know if it'll be a reboot, but, um, you know, it's sort of like living in Groundhog Day. Everything, every day is the same, right? Right. So, but it's giving me the chance to, I don't have to rush and say, oh my God, I have to get this email out today because if I don't, you know, I'm going to miss my, miss my window. The one good thing about it is, is that, you know, you know, I used to think, okay, People are working right now, so I can't send it out now. They're making dinner now, so I guess I better time it so that my email goes out like at 8 o'clock at night when everybody's like got the kids to bed and they're sitting down and they're looking at their emails for the day or something. It's a little different now because you don't have to rush because everybody's looking at their email almost all the time, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, I, I, it's allowing me to be a little more flexible and not so stringent on, you know, when things can go out and when they can't, that type of thing. There's a silver lining to this. I don't know what it is, but it's there. We just don't know what it is yet. Thank you, Lori, for coming on the show and please be safe. Thank you. You too. Be healthy. Wear your socks. You know they're the new shoes. Our next guest is Catherine Shimoni and Joan Schifrin of Global Goods Partners. Global Goods Partners is a nonprofit which works with different groups worldwide to bring us very special handcrafted products. May it be earrings from Guatemala, a ceramic bowl from Tunisia, or handwoven baskets from Ghana. These lovely ladies and their team work very hard to bring us these products seamlessly. Joan and Catherine join us from New York City and Washington, D.C. Welcome, Joan and Catherine. Hi, Vidya. How has your world changed because of COVID-19? Um, well, I'll start. This is Joan. Um, I, I would have to say that our our watchword is flexibility. As people all over are finding, uh, it's not business as usual. Our um, partners, our artisan partners around the world are basically on lockdown as our uh, businesses here which includes our wholesale customers who have mostly suspended their operations, at least temporarily. Um, so um, the days of orders and, and receiving product and getting orders and fulfilling them ha has changed quite a bit. We um, continue to have some business um, from our e-commerce site, uh, retail orders coming in, and we are fulfilling them from our warehouse in Queens, New York, following very closely um, CDC regulations. There's one dedicated staff member at our warehouse at, at one time who is taking uh, special effort, making special efforts to clean surfaces, clean packing material, wearing gloves and masks, and uh, making sure that we are um, packing and, and delivering to our uh, customers uh, a healthy, clean product. The countries where you get your supplies, your product from, that is a challenge for you too, because it seems to go in phases. You know, as America comes out, 
maybe the countries like India and Nepal will be peaking. How will you cope with that? So, yes, I mean, it's it's not easy. Um, we're in very close contact with our artisan partners in the countries around the globe. And we speak to them daily. Um, we're learning about the challenges that they're currently facing and the lockdown dates that seem to be changing regularly. So, for example, in Nepal, where... We have two very important artisan partners making beautiful felt products, and especially our felt flowers that are very popular. They had their first lockdown um, towards the end of March with the open date of early April. Then that date changed, and now it's mid-April. And then just yesterday, we found out that all their international flights uh, will be grounded until end of April. So it's, um, it's a challenging time for all. And I think the, the important thing is that we continue to remain in close contact with our artisan partners to learn about the situation for them in their, in their communities, in their country. So the challenge for you is, is threefold. One, your supply then the domestic market, the wholesale and retail, and the donations that you normally bank on to support your partners. Yes. It is true. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that regard, um, we have reached out and have uh, received some uh, extra funding um, from donors who have supported our work for you know a number of years and we're so grateful that we can rely on some of our donors people have been extraordinarily generous people who have uh, placed an order on our website they have the option of rounding up a little bit and um we're so appreciative of people who who do that even if it's a small amount it's it's really very helpful we've also submitted our application for funding from for the through the paycheck protection program that the government has made available don't know anything yet i know it's been a really complicated process and sort of a, a tangled mess but we hope to receive some funding through that as well just going to say, I mean, it has been a hardship for a lot of our wholesale customers because many of them have brick and mortar stores that have closed. Some of them, it's unclear whether they'll be able to reopen, um, but we're, we're hopeful that most of them will be able to once we get past this. Um, and we have one uh, client, Food 52, who has really um, promoted our product and has been successful in selling our felt uh, flowers to their customer base. So we are, as Joan mentioned, still operational and able to get product to customers, which is great. It's unusual during this difficult time. Catherine, I know that your husband is a doctor and he is working with COVID patients. How has your life changed? <laughs> well, 
everyone's life has changed during this time. But me in particular, it, it, you know, it's it's very tense here in New York City, being the epicenter in in the country. Um, but it is getting better. We're we're hearing about the numbers um, going down slightly and the flattening of the curve happening. But you know, as the wife of a physician, I worry about him, of course, um, and I worry about all healthcare workers and members of his team. And um, you know, I, I would say, and Joan will laugh about this, but I would say my life has changed dramatically with the amount of cooking I'm doing. <laughs> There's no longer carryout in New York City, or limited carryout, I should say. Um, and I'm doing a lot of cooking and cleaning like most people at home these days and have a full apartment with kids. But it's, it's it, the biggest issue really is it's, it's tense. It's tense for everyone. It's tense even walking outside and making sure to keep that distance. And, and also we were, we were asked to wear facial covering. So uh, it's intense. And he's being very safe, actually living in another apartment so that it, we don't have the transmission of, of COVID if hopefully he doesn't get it. One of the highlights for me each day is at 7 p.m. when everybody opens their windows and claps for what, all the, the people who are taking care of patients and, and all the other you know service people who are servicing our grocery stores and our mail and our UPS and the those are our heroes. How do you think the future of your business will change? Will your mission be altered by this experience? What will change, you think? At this point, I think it's it's really hard to know. Um, and I, I think it's a, a question of how many of our artisan partners and customers will survive this intact in um, we will be ready to help our artisan partners um, should they have to step back from producing for a long period of time. We will try to make funding available so that the women who work with our partners are con continue to um, receive income. And for our partners, as I mentioned earlier, we're just trying to be really flexible. If they have orders in and they can't accept um, product now, we're going to hold on to them. If we, we're looking at changing the minimums, um, I think our mission will always be about helping women expand their ability to earn a sustainable living wage. Um, it could take an, a, a different form, possibly, and I just don't know what that will be. But when we come out of this, I think we're going to be in in good shape. We're using this time now to streamline some uh, processes internally that have been sort of should be on the front burner, but went to the back burner for a while. So we're like putting in a, a new inventory management system, working with new um, financial partners to streamline some of our accounting procedures. We want to be ready to come back full force when 
the time is right. So there may be more groups that we can work with if their access to the market, the Western market has been somehow has eroded because of fallout other places. Um, but we're um, cautiously optimistic. Thank you, Joan and Catherine, for joining me. You both, please be safe. Thank you. You too, Vidya. Thank you so much. Thank you, Vidya. Take care. Our next guest is Caroline Fisher, founder of Swahili Coast. Swahili Coast works with owner-owned co-ops in Tanzania, creating, amongst other products, beaded sandals. Welcome, Caroline. Hi, thanks for having me, Vidya. What is the present situation in Tanzania with regards to the coronavirus? Well, as of now, the reports of coronavirus infections are pretty low in Tanzania. There are 25 confirmed tests, and um, those are mostly with folks who've been traveling in Europe. However, um, as is the case with most of Africa, the health system, uh, access to health care for a lot of folks is, is um, a big problem, and thus we're not sure of the actual rates of infection in Tanzania. How has your supply been affected? Has Tanzania shut down as yet? Or? Yes. So um, Tanzania has shut down specifically towards folks who are coming through the border. They have mandated a 14-day quarantine for anyone entering Tanzania. But as of now, businesses are mostly remaining open. And that's good for us, um, but we do want to make sure that our partners in Tanzania are remaining safe. We are lucky in that the place where our workshop is located is outside of Dar es Salaam, and it is fairly dense in the surrounding area, but um, where our partners are located is uh, is a little more spread out. So we're hoping that the virus isn't, isn't doesn't spread as, as much there. Yeah, they almost seem to be a month behind us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think part of that is just there isn't as much international travel. And also um, folks do tend to stay in the area where they live and work. And so it's my hope that the the virus doesn't spread as rapidly there and hopefully isn't as virulent. So in terms of supply chain, you can still uh, you are still able to get your products yes. into the country if yes. um, you need to. Yes. You have uh, two retail outlets in That's the correct. states. Yes. How so? Those are shut down. Yes. They, those have been shut down for about a month, right? Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, we made the decision to close in early March and. We have no regrets in that regard because um, the safety of our employees is, of course, very, very important. And um, we've moved to selling a lot online, but our biggest concern is making sure that our partners in East Africa are taken care of. And thus, for the time being, for the foreseeable future, we're committing 100% of all of our orders that are placed 
through our website to a fund that goes to supporting our artists and partners in East Africa. So now you've you've moved completely to online sales. Yes. So we're selling online exclusively. And additionally, we, we do most of our business through a wholesale. Um, but as you well know, all of our retail partners around the country are also closed um, for the time being. So we've thought it's, um, it's in the best interest of our, of our partners in East Africa to continue whatever business we can for them right now. And that is, uh, and that's definitely online. For you, the additional challenge is most of your products are the summer, mm-hmm. outdoorsy, mm-hmm. go to the beach, yeah. you know, wear these sandals, take these towels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when, how do you plan to change your marketing strategy to be able to sell? Yeah. Because you've committed to buying from these worker-owned co-ops. Yes, absolutely. So, um the good news is everyone still needs shoes. So we do still, <laughs> we do sell shoes and, um, and it is the time of year when, um, when folks are looking to purchase sandals. Um, part of the reality of our situation is we just don't know how long this is going to last. And so we're a bit reticent to reinvent the wheel because we, um, we don't want to focus too much on other products and thus get our partners in Tanzania behind if things do pass uh, relatively quickly in the next few months. Um, We are looking into adding a few different products. Um, Our seamstress partners in in Tanzania, we've been chatting with her about doing some cloth masks out of uh, Kitenge fabric, which is the wax printed fabric in East Africa and also doing um, a give one, get one sort of situation where um, any mask that was purchased in the U.S. would also uh, give a mask to a Tanzanian fo- person so in hopes that uh, to prevent the spread of the disease over there. Thank you, Caroline, um, for coming on the show one more time and um, sharing how you are coping with COVID-19. Thank you very much. Next guest is Ronnie Joseph, founder and chief designer of Zojila Products. He designs high-quality, nature-inspired, minimalistic kitchen products. In his mission to be sustainable, Ronnie offers a lifetime replacement warranty on every Zojila product. Welcome, Ronnie. Nice to have you with you. Most of his suppliers are in China, right? Yeah, the vast majority of them are in China. I also have... uh new suppliers in India. So how have they been affected by the COVID? China first, and now India is on a lockdown. Yes, my suppliers have been affected. Uh, Way back in January was when I was uh, placing orders for new stock. And uh, at that time, the factories in China were just shutting down for their annual holiday. And I was told to wait until the workers come back to the factories. So I waited. And then what happened was the workers did not come back. 
because they just could not get back to the factories. Did you have any inkling that it was going yeah. to get so bad? Yes, I did. Uh, my Chinese suppliers had asked me to go ahead and place the order and send the advance payment. And I said I would rather wait to see if the factories reopen on time. So I did not send them the payment at that time. So I was right to do that because the factories did not reopen when they were expected to. So we waited and it took uh, quite a while, probably a month and a half until they, the workers, not all of them, some of them got back and then they said they were ready to start working again. So I mm -hmm. went ahead and <clears throat> sent them the initial payment and uh, they are working right now on the production, but uh, it is not clear whether they will be able to finish on time with uh, reduced staffing. And uh, the other big concern is whether the uh, logistics and uh, will be completely open regarding transportation and ocean freight. Mm -hmm. um, so, and then even if it is open in China, there is this worry that on the U.S. side, ports, will they be ready to receive shipping containers? And then uh, the rail lines will be working and the trucking industry will be working. Uh, especially the trucking industry, I am concerned about that because as of now, uh, I have no clue how the U.S. trucking system is working. I think trucks are running now, but uh, my shipment won't be here for at least uh, another possibly two months. So at that time, I don't know what the situation will be in the U.S. So there is a lot of uncertainty about whether I will be able to receive the next shipment. One of the things that I remember from the original episode that we recorded uh, a while back is that the outer box that you use to ship the products to the customer, you used to use recycled boxes which people would leave for you in your warehouse, or you would go collect these boxes and use those boxes as an outer box when you ship your products. Now, with all this care, with the COVID-19, nobody is sure how long the virus stays on the packaging and um, how to completely sanitize it. How has your business practice changed? Do you still use those recycled boxes which people drop off to your warehouse? Uh, yes, we do. All the boxes that uh, we are currently using is from our stockpile from last year. I have not uh, collected any new ones this year at all because we actually have quite a few. So that is not a concern at all. And any other changes in your business model? I was thinking about one of the streams that you sold was on Amazon. Are you still able to sell on Amazon? Because earlier with Amazon, most people shopped there because their main USP was, yeah, as soon as I place the order in a day or two, I got the product. Now that Amazon has shifted, especially Amazon Prime shipments, to essentials. Has that changed? Has that practice changed? Which stream you sell your products? Are you selling more online on your own website now? Yes. Um, actually, uh, our sales have actually gone up by about 50% from the peak sales period of last year, which is like October, November, December. We are seeing about 50% increase in sales from our own website. But as regards Amazon, in fact, today, earlier 
I was getting ready to send the shipment out to Amazon fulfillment centers, and uh, Amazon would not let me send uh, a shipment because it was not classified as essential. They said they are prioritizing on uh, medical supplies and household staples. So I am not able to replenish my stock at Amazon any longer. But what they have in stock, they are shipping to customers. So maybe you'll have to move some of those sales on your website till this passes. Yes, that's been happening. You know, so I'm not worried about not being able to supply Amazon because people can find the same products on our own website and we are able to ship the products out. Just to refresh our listeners, you make kitchen gadgets and products. So do you think part of the increase in your sales is because people are at home, they're cooking more, not carrying out uh, or eating out as much, but everybody's at home, so they think, oh, I need this cool dish rack. You know, earlier they probably didn't do as many dishes. Yes, I think the increase in sales can almost completely be attributed to the fact that people are spending more time online and uh, looking for products. They have probably have more time to do research uh, on the products. And yeah, I think it's just the fact that people are spending more time at home and online. So I would attribute the increase in sales entirely to that. So overall, your business has not been affected up to now because you had inventory um, that, to to make your full yeah, events, That's right. right. Uh, we, uh, we have not been affected negatively as of now. But the increased sales means that we will run out of stock on some very popular items faster than anticipated. And in fact, one of my biggest selling products, the um, the stainless steel dish rack, I have stocked for about uh, two months. And if the supply doesn't come in from China, we will be out of stock on that. What is the most important lesson this pandemic has taught you for your business practices? Um, actually, uh, it, what it has done is uh, reiterated my belief in online selling uh, as opposed to brick and mortar retail, which was an avenue that we were not very successful in uh, penetrating. We feel uh, that we are on the right path. The decision that we took 15 years ago to mainly sell online is really being shown to be the right decision that we took considering how much uh, brick-and-mortar retail is suffering right now. And uh, also it reinforces the feeling that going forward, uh, selling online is the way to go. Thank you, Ronnie, for coming again on our show. Stay safe and healthy. Nice to talk to you, Vidya. Stay safe, yourself. Our next guest is Susan Korea, founder and CEO of Art and Eden. She talks to us from New Jersey. She's passionate about her desire to create sustainable, organic, affordable children's clothing. Art and Eden is mindful in their sustainable practices from cotton seed to the final product. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for having me, Vidya. Appreciate being on this podcast with you. So, how are you managing your head offices in New York City? which is the epicenter of the coronavirus crisis in the U.S. How are you coping personally and business-wise? 
Yeah, so about the first week of March, we prepped our entire team to be able to have a remote access uh, to all of the work on the drives. We we moved all out of New York City into our respective homes. So it's uh, work as usual. It's just work a different setting. We stay connected as a team every day. We uh, connect and have a team meeting. So feel really connected to the team, but working remotely and working as usual. It's a whole new way of of working, but nothing's changed in what we are basically doing every day. Personally, I've always recognized one basic fact in life that I cannot choose my circumstances, but I can choose how I respond to what happens around me. And I've um, forever lived my life with one very deeply rooted principle that uh, I live uh, a life with intentional joy and an amplified life that's bigger than my circumstances. So that perspective has helped through this navigating this really uncharted uh, waters and different territory. So your products are made in India primarily, right? The God certified cotton, the dyes, uh, the weaving, the manufacturing. Is it all primarily in India? Correct. All of our manufacturing and sourcing is in India. And India has been shut now for about two and a half weeks. So Shut for two and a half weeks and will be shut for another two weeks, yes. So how has that affected? Did you have enough inventory coming up to the spring season? Yes, we uh, did have all of our spring inventory um, shipped out before and already arrived into the US before. We had well planned of all of our deliveries. What remains to be seen is how this all impacts our fall deliveries and how things will shape up once India opens up. Nothing can be said as of now till we know when it opens up. So it's on a complete standstill. Right. I think you cannot even move between neighborhoods right now. That's exactly right. And it's incredibly difficult given the amount of people per square foot and uh, the size of homes there. I've been talking very regularly to the teams in India and it's incredibly difficult. I just feel so grateful for what we have here. Uh, in terms of the size and the space and the reduced amount of um, heads per square area out here, but it's really hard there. Yeah. Talking about the impact of your spring sale, you know, it was exciting to go out and shop for your spring and summer clothes, but now nobody's leaving the house. You know, if the pants are a little bit shorter, it's fine. I really don't need shorts because I'm not going out as much. How do you think this will impact your sales and how and what will be your marketing strategy to adapt to these really strange and unusual times? I think what happens to one of us impacts all of us. So it's um, everybody's impacted by the same situation. Uh, all of us are u- united and uh, will be in, in what, what the perspective of shopping is going to be. Um, there's a lot of uncertainty. Everything is shut down right now. So there's a lot of uncertainty. Nobody knows what's going to happen when things reopen. I'm I'm trying to um, really break down this whole scenario in a two-stage format in trying to understand what are the immediate impacts of business and all of this interruption. And how does one really continue to triage the unexpected of what is to come? And um, and then the long-term impacts. So there, there, there's two ways of looking at this. The short-term, we don't really know till the stores open and what that happens. So it's just a matter of staying put and, and working on the next season and, and figuring those pieces of the puzzle out. I try not to worry too much about things I can't control. So um, leaving that status quo for this time 
and really trying to figure out how do you extend the runway? How do you take the funds as a startup? How do you take the funds that you have and stretch it to its max? I think uh, we've been incredibly fortunate in the US with the way the government has stepped in to support small businesses. I, I work with the, the Chase Bank that has uh, really um, stepped up to the plate in supporting us and helping us and not really thinking of us as small businesses, but as businesses that matter. And um, it's very encouraging to have the support from a number of different people, not just the banks, but um, our landlord in our building has pushed back the rents, the, the phone companies, like everyone that we're working with has really, really stepped up to support and help us navigate through these short-term uncertainties. Uh, feel very supported with that. Uh, our focus now is now shifted to how to make the best Spring 21 line. And, and that's what we're using all of our creative intensity to do. In our previous conversation, you had mentioned that Art in Eden gave a lot back to the communities in the New York, New Jersey area. Given the impact of the coronavirus in these areas, have you been able to do any social impact Activities, have you been able to uh, give back to those communities? What, what we do is is always an expression of gratitude, is always an expression of bringing joy into someone else's life and uh, being very considered and considerate in all of our choices. And so one of the challenges we set ourselves up to do was how do we make a difference in, even in these troubled times? We know that we can't go out. We know that we can't serve physically but how can you put a smile on someone else's face? And uh, we've come up with a packaged box program that basically allows people to support somebody else in need. And we've offered the product at really almost below cost um, to be able to support maybe a child of a doctor or, or someone who just needs to be uplifted or someone in need. So we've put a really attractive box packages together to be able to support one another and, you know, just just be able to, to bring a sense of joy to somebody else. And you love to read books. I remember our previous conversation, a lot of your inspiration came from the books you read. Have you been reading? Absolutely. I, I'm actually working in a library at home. I have possibly about 2000 books and it's just such a joy to be able to uh, just surround myself with so much of literature. I read many different things. Actually, my reading has kind of shifted from a lot of business driven books, which were focus of all of my life before the, the virus to really uh, more of inner life and um, mm -hmm. to find a greater meaning through all of this that has happened. So a lot of world faiths and world religions and different paths. And it's just wisdom from, from many great thinkers on the inner life rather than the outer life. So on that note, Susan, I thank you so much for coming on the show one more time. Stay safe and healthy. Thank you so much for having me. It was lovely talking to you. Our next guest is Sarah Jackson, founder and CEO of Tamina. Tamina is an international brand with a vision to export transformational products from different conflict regions of the world. Their maiden project 
is saffron and saffron-infused teas from Afghanistan. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me again. Most of your products are made in Afghanistan and in India, right? Uh, yes, primarily Afghanistan for our saffron. In the podcast episode, we chatted in, in such a lively manner about Afghanistan, its lands, its history, the beauty, mm-hmm. and possibly visiting it. Mm-hmm. Now that seems like such a distant dream. What is the situation right now in Afghanistan? I think it just is so surprising as it is to many people of just the global impact of coronavirus right now and how really every country is being so affected by everything that's happening. And so in Afghanistan, currently there are not a huge number of cases, but Afghanistan is located next to Iran, which if you remember at the beginning of the global outbreak, it was one of the top countries um, with the top number of cases. And there are actually thousands of people flooding into Afghanistan from Iran every day, primarily the Afghan diaspora. And so many of the refugees who have been living in Iran for a long time, they are actually um, kind of escaping coronavirus and coming back into Afghanistan. And so it is a just really interesting situation right now where um, borders have actually closed in Afghanistan. There are currently no commercial flights in and out because all of the airlines have canceled their flight. And so even this interview, I uh, normally would be back in country, um, but I'm actually in the U.S. right now, unable to return home. And I will say, though, what is very interesting about the situation right now is that there is the risk of outbreak and coronavirus. Um, but parallel to that is also a lot of political instability that's been happening. And right how now. has that now affected your supply chain? Did you already have enough inventory to t- yeah. tide you over the next few months? So I think one way in which we're lucky is that the saffron harvest is every fall. It's only once a year. And so we already have secured the inventory that we needed in terms of our saffron for the next year. So um, in terms of that side of the supply chain, we are very grateful. Now, what has been slightly disrupted is where we get the rest of our other tea. And it's not that the international countries themselves um, have been disrupted in our case, but it's our main tea blender because his clients are primarily brick and mortar. He actually had to temporarily shut down, temporarily lay off his workers. And so on the tea side of things, our supply chain has actually been disrupted for the next few months. How have you coped overall? So in in terms of your business, the saffron side, you are fine. People are buying more of spices and grocery products in general because people are cooking far more. So have you seen a bump in your sales? Yeah, we have seen a slight increase in sales because, you know, people are spending more time at home. They want to drink tea. They want to cook. As I shared previously with the supply chain disruption, we are at this point, though, where we do just have to kind of conserve and hold on to inventory to hold us over until things reopen again. From what I remember from our conversation, you sold primarily online. You had very few brick and mortar outlets. Yeah. And I think in that way, once again, I try to focus on gratitude. I try to focus on the things that are positive instead of looking at, you know, the things that have been shaken up. And so one of the ways, once again, that I'm just really so thankful is that um, we, from the beginning, had decided to focus primarily on e-commerce. And if you look at what's happening with the 
effects of the virus is that most of consumer spending is now going to be moving online. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of the new age that's going to be the new normal is that we are going to be moving to digital and e-commerce. And so as a new startup and as a company that's agile and ready to pivot quickly and respond to the changes, that is kind of already in place for us. How do you see the future of the whole e-commerce industry, how is it going to change? For sure, we're definitely going to be having less brick and mortar. And then in place of that, there's going to be a boom in how consumers spend and it'll primarily be online. It'll be contactless shopping. Scientists say that it takes about 21 days for habits to form. And we have to see how long this quarantine season will be, but it definitely will be longer than 21 days. And I think it definitely was a direction that we had already been heading in because of just the increase of technology, the convenience that comes with um, technology-enabled spending. But I do think that we're just going to go into it even more now, um, even as things lift, is that spending habits will have changed by that time. Right. And a lot of the technology in terms of video conferencing were all in existence for at least 15 years, Mm -hmm. but nobody Mm -hmm. went into it with this um, speed before the coronavirus. Yeah. I mean, even think about, you know, young elementary school students of they're normally used to -to face-to-face learning and now they'll have spent at least a few months just doing primarily online learning. So there's definitely just going to be a shift in so many habits and a shift in, I guess, yeah, what we consider normal now. The tagline, Tamina, to be brave, is very appropriate in these times, right? Yes. How have you coped and how has this philosophy helped you in this pandemic? You know, it really is fascinating to see the level of panic And anxiety and fear that especially I think in the Western world has come upon people when there's been this time of instability and crisis. And I think for me, when the virus outbreak first happened, I actually found myself kind of looking back to my experience in Afghanistan and not just me as a person, but I think even the resilience of the Afghan people who have lived in instability and crisis really for the past 40 years. And I was really just shocked because I felt like, you know, the past four and a half years that I've been in Afghanistan, it's almost primed me to just be ready to face the storm and to weather the storm. And we know that, you know, for all of us, it's so easy to feel anxiety in this time. It's so easy to be afraid. But I really feel that now more than ever, the message of to be brave is so relevant And I would just love to kind of encourage your listeners and anybody who's listening to this podcast that like you are brave and you might not feel it in this moment, but I know that in every person there is courage inside of us already. There is bravery inside of us to be able to overcome. And I personally feel about this time of coronavirus that it really could be a time where an entire generation we can discover our voice of courage and adversity and come out stronger in the end. And so my hope would be that Tamina as a brand, that we can be able to kind of share that anthem, share that heart, be a small source of encouragement, even through our tea, just be able to share kind of moments of calm and micro moments of peace when you're at home. And so 
it is really unfortunate. It is very tragic, everything that's happening. But I think the core of resilience is to be able to find what is positive in the midst of tragedy and to be able to come out stronger on the other end. And so for Tamina, I'm really excited to be able to be a champion and to be able to be a supporter as a brand for our consumers in this time. On that note, thank you, Sarah, for coming on Mindful Businesses. Please be safe and healthy. Thank you so much, Vidya.